0: Well, good morning, and welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. Today's message through Habakkuk is an intense one. The prophet records God's indictment against the sins of Babylon, who elevate their own glory above God's. And in doing so, they leave a wake of destruction in their path to the top. What we will see is that anywhere that we, too, promote self-glory ahead of God's glory, we, too, become Babylon. Thanks for listening as we look at the five woe pronouncements from Habakkuk chapter 2. Uh, when uh, my family and I had opportunity to go back to the Bahamas and, and spend time there with the ministries that we served for so many years and uh, reinvest ourselves in the relationships, I, I want you to know we actually do spend time at the beach you know, I'm, I'm confess that this morning, uh, and, and it's, it's as you would imagine getting to go to any time of a little bit of R&R. Uh, it's a wonderful time for our family, especially our kids. One of the things that we love to do as a bit of a tradition is to build little sandcastles Um, I know this stems all the way back from when I was a kid, and my family uh, would every now and then travel over to the Lake Michigan shore. And one of of the favorite things that my dad liked to do with us kids were were to build just these fun sand creatures and animals. So we have opportunity to pass that on now to our kids. Uh, Instead of building one enormous castle though, what we do is we build these little sand towns. So they have little streets, and uh, shopping malls, and churches, and you just build these all these little huts, and you build them kind of near the shore, because then you get to play Godzilla with them, and, um, and watch even the destruction of the tide, and the wave as it comes up. Sounds a little bit morbid as I'm saying it to you now. am not sure why I put this in my introduction. Let me, let me look at my notes. Invariably, as we build these sand towns, we come back the next day and do you know where they are? They're all gone. They're all gone. Uh, Because the the tide is uh, unrelenting. Uh, It's not capricious. It doesn't care of what we built. It is coming. And those things that we built upon the sand are no more. Uh, Jesus tells uh, a similar parable in Matthew 7. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because its foundation, it, it had its foundation on the rock. But... Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Every single one of us in here is building. You are building a kind of kingdom around which you will encompass your life and your values, your desires, your entertainment. It's that legacy that will be passed on uh, by reputation to your neighbors and by influence to your children. You are building a kind of kingdom. And what we need to give evaluation to is how close to the tide are those sandcastles. Are they built on sand or are they built on the rock of the words of Jesus Christ? We are, for our visitors, those that are maybe just joining us, we are in what is week four or five of our Old Testament study in the book that sounds like a sneeze. Habakkuk! (laughs) Thank you. Um, I want to uh, thank you for your good attention as we've gone through this book. Uh, We only have two Sundays left counting this Sunday. But as we do, we are going to encounter the second half of the story as one that's going to demand an amount of humility on our part. It's so easy to think that your kingdom is all about you. It's so easy in our world. In fact, the world around us, the society around us, is designed to get you to fall in love with the work of your own hands, believing that achievement and success is found on that which can be built on this side of eternity. Remember Jesus before Pilate, and he questions him, so you are a king, and Jesus' words were, my kingdom is not of this world. We're told by the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians that you have a citizenship, but your citizenship isn't here. It's in where? Help me out. It's in heaven. And so what I want to call us to as we have opportunity again to be invested in this Old Testament book is that we would give evaluation over our lives for the kind of kingdoms we're building. Uh, We're going to find today that as Habakkuk hears from God, there are five woes. A woe is a pronouncement of judgment. That is given specifically in view of Babylon. And yet one that extends to all of our lives today. And so in doing so let me invite you to turn once more to the book of Habakkuk chapter 2. The pace for today is going to be to read through the end of chapter 2. Identifying these five pronouncements of judgment. And then we will just quickly give evaluation over the unique characteristic of each. And then we're going to conclude our time this morning by reflecting on a New Testament story in the Gospels uh, to see how that which you and I build needs reform. We're going to end our time with an opportunity to repent. Uh, You have seen over uh, those who regularly worship here that a few times a year, uh, I... Have the opportunity to call our congregation to repentance, a kind of service of lament. I, I don't want to be a downer, and boy, church was sad. That's not, I'm not interested in that at all. What I am interested in is a purposed, intentional recalibration of our focusing on God as creator, master, Lord, and judge, and us as his servants. As those who need to take time to humble ourselves and find that there is a right relationship with God that's sometimes easily lost that we want to restore. That God desires for you and I to restore. And so that's how we're going to conclude our time this morning. If you're listening on Zoom today, I would invite you as well to participate with us as we work towards this at the end of our service. So Habakkuk chapter 2, if you're with me, let's start together. Uh, Follow along starting in verse 6. Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying, Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long must this go on? Will not your debtors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their victim because you have plundered many nations The people who are left will plunder you, for you have shed man's blood and have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Woe to him who builds his realm by unjust gain, to set his nest on high, to escape the clutches of ruin. You've plotted the ruin of many people, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by crime. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire, that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin until they are drunk, so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. You will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it's your turn. Drink and be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around to you, and disgrace will cover your glory. The violence that you have done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, and your destruction of animals will terrify you, for you have shed man's blood. You have destroyed the lands and cities and everyone in them. Of what value is an idol since man has carved it? Or an image that teaches lies. For he who makes it trusts in his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says of wood, come to life. Or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? It's covered with gold and silver, but there is no breath. In it, but the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before Him. So, uh, this one's this one's kind of intense this morning. And my hope for us as we go through it is to call a sensitivity to the spirits working in our lives that we would be careful not to see this as a Babylonian problem. But then maybe, just maybe, you might be able to see a reflection of your own sinfulness, poor choices, habits, and depravity woven into the judgments of God so that we will collectively condemn them along with God. And let sin be accounted for such that we won't have to pay for it, but that we would take advantage of the offering of the good news of the gospel that our sins have been paid for in Christ Jesus. Give me an amen on that, right? Yeah. All right, good. So observation number one, as we look into verse six, is a kind of woe that is woven around the sin of dishonesty. You have recorded uh, a woe to those who pile up stolen goods. Uh, This person makes himself wealthy by extorting others. He's lying. He's cheating. Uh, You know the idiom? Help me out here. Cheaters never... Yeah, yeah. That's right there. You could put that in the margin of your Bible. That's essentially the first three verses of what we're covering, 6, 7, and 8. This passage from the book of Proverbs, the wisdom writer says, How useless to spread a net where every bird can see it. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush only themselves. Such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes the very life of those who seek it. You ever buy any scratchers? Come on. Any lottery tickets? When's the last time we went to the casino? You know what the danger of money is? You know what the danger is? Is that it it will convince you to become more confident in it than in God. I wish that was the only problem with money. It isn't. Money also then has this false work of esteem where you will think higher of your own status by virtue of how much cash is in the bank. Be very careful of ill-gotten gain, that which comes through dishonesty. There is a judgment that is connected with it. In fact, if you look here, you will see in verse 7: it's the debtors who will arise. That they will come once they realize what you have done in lying, in dishonesty. Uh, that you will be paid back by which you have treated them. I remember uh, early uh, in grade school, uh, we played a game in gym class called Red Light, Green Light. Do you guys know that game? Red Light, Green Light. So the gym teacher wanted to uh, add a twist to it, which was that you had to run. There was a, there was a, if you don't know the game, you have one person at the very end of the gymnasium who says, Green light, And then all the kids on the line, we have to run until they say red light. And then you have to freeze. You have to stop. The gym teacher, though, told us that when you hear red light, you have to turn around. You have to face the opposite direction. Well, I saw really quick that there was this one kid who wasn't turning around, and he was getting ahead. He was getting ahead faster than everybody else. And uh, the gym teacher called him out, so he had to go sit on the sideline. But I thought I was a little bit sneakier, that I could get away with it. So, I wasn't turning around all the way. I was doing one of these half turns, right? And I was beating all the other kids until that little jerk on the sideline said, He's cheating! And then, do you know what all the other kids did? Get out! You're out! Because that's what happens. Uh, you will reap what you sow. And you will see that this very first woe, indeed, is the same. If you're building a kingdom on cheating, it will, it will crumble upon itself. If there is dishonesty woven as either a habit or mistake in your life, don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. Uh, this is a type of sin that needs collective condemnation rather than using it as a foundation to build upon. Uh, number two, you will see a woe in verse nine. Woe to him who builds his ra- realm by unjust gain. Uh, this is identifying a kind of greed, a greediness. So uh, the first two woes really go together with one another. Uh, the first is a dishonest attempt is how you're cheating others. The second is the root of that, which is a desire for more and more for yourself. And like any type of a rushed foundation, your building will be ruined. Uh, any kingdom that's built on greed will have this as a poor foundation. You guys know the most important part of a home, right? You, you gotta, if you're going to spend money, spend it on anything. Spend it on the foundation. Get that foundation solid, but if it's not, if it's, if it's woven with greed, if that's the kind of sandcastle you are building in your life, we'll look back at the text. Look what it says. In verse 10, you have plotted the ruin of many people, shaming your own house, forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out. Look, you can see how the building's built. It's obvious. It's built on greed. How many times have we observed it in our society uh, that those who are seeking to get rich by greed... Have fallen so far. I mean, you've seen the news articles, right? Um, un- unfortunately, there's maybe far too many bailouts that happen. But the powerful and the wealthy are brought low because of hidden sin. Do you know where they hid it? Do you know where they? Do you know where they covered it up? They covered it up in the foundation. And so, as that building continues to climb, it's like a house of cards, where eventually, eventually, it'll crumble and it'll fall. I'm sad to say that this happens both inside. And outside the church. So what about us? Where has greed played an impact in the same castle of our life in the kingdom that we would build? Number three, violence is the theme starting in verse 12. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed. Uh, The picture here is of one who is a bulldozer. I am simply going to have my way. I don't care what the collateral damage is. Uh, You'll hear the phrase many times in business. It's not personal. It's just. And somehow our kingdom continues to grow at the expense of the corpses that lay around us like a bulldozer. And this is a kind of violence. Um, Bloodshed is what's listed in verse 12. Um, I like how the Hebrew phrases this in verse 13. Uh, God says, has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire? Um, it's a, that's how the NIV renders it uh, slightly different. The intention here is the people's labor goes up in smoke. That's the idea. You're, you're working so hard. You think you're toiling and you're having to destroy others. But do you know what you're actually amounting for yourself? Poof. Nothing. It's going gonna, it's gonna to disappear. It's going to be vapor someday. You can think of the greatest edifices, structures, whatever the institution may be on earth. The Bible tells us God has reserved the earth for fire and all the elements will be destroyed by fire. So wherever your treasure is laid on the earth, you better have a good insurance policy <laughs> because there's going to be judgment someday. When it comes to violence, It's a matter of trust. This word from the Psalms in verse 20, some trust in chariots, some in horses. What what do you use chariots and horses for? Battle and fighting and bloodshed. Some trust in them, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. In this passage uh, from Jesus at the end of Matthew's gospel, you remember the story as the legions of soldiers come to arrest Jesus and Peter, (coughs) good old Pete, Pulls out the sword, slices towards the head of Malchus and Malchus ducks, cuts his ear off, right? And Jesus says, put the sword away, put it away because for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Back in our text of Habakkuk, uh, the nations exhaust themselves for nothing and a kingdom that is built upon bloodshed will be judged by God. I don't know if you've ever met anybody like this in your life—the type of person who is going to get ahead no matter what the cost. Um, you can almost start the—you can start the timer. It's only going to be a matter of time. If that's the foundation of your sandcastle, the tide of God's judgment will come, and it's not going to care how pretty it is. A kingdom built on violence will be judged by God. Number four. Immorality, you'll see starting in verse 15, our fourth woe. Uh, woe to him who gives, gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin until they're drunk. Uh, the immorality that we're looking at here is a type of self-destruction that comes through societal debauchery. I mean, uh, we, I think we talked about this before already. Alcohol gives a nice promise, doesn't it? For a good time. Loosen things up. But what's the cost? The bill comes due at the end of the day. And for as good as you may have felt that night, you pay for it the next day. And this being now an aspect of society, that's a metaphor for any and every which way you would pledge your own satisfaction to some temporary pleasure. I think you forgot the cost. There's a cost that will come. There's nothing that you can find on this side of eternity that will ultimately satisfy. Do you remember Jesus' words to the woman at the well? Could you, could you give me a drink of water? And then she goes on and on about a while. You've got nothing to draw water with. And Jesus says, If you had known who it is that is speaking to you, I would have offered you water by which you will never thirst again. That's a good foundation. <clears throat> That's a building on a rock, not on a sand castle. And so the kingdom that is built through debauchery, it will end in shame. If you look back with me in the text in verse 16, you will be filled with shame instead of glory. It's your turn. Drink and be exposed. The cup comes from the Lord's right hand. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around to you. Um, uh, Last thing I want to point out on this fourth woe is the way that we actually have a bookend within one, two, three and four. Uh, The first one has a consequence of retribution. I haven't lost you guys yet. Y'all with me? me, Are you with me? Give me an amen. You guys with me? Okay. The the first one, look back to the first woe. The debtors will rise. Those you've cheated will come back to cheat you. Retribution. The fourth one as well includes retribution. You induced a society of drunkenness. It will be your turn. To drink from the wrath of God's cup. Retribution. In fact, you may also notice a phrase that's repeated as a bookend between 1, 2, 3, and 4. It shows up at the end of verse 8. It says, for you have shed man's blood, you've destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. And in verse 17, for you have shed man's blood, you've destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. I'm, I'm highlighting this point because the fifth one, the fifth woe, is the root of the problem. The the source of all of these other problems ultimately comes from this last and final woe, and it is idolatry. No longer a kingdom, but now a king. You me the one who is building the kingdom. And any king who trusts in idols ultimately trusts only in himself. Look with me again in Habakkuk chapter 18 of what values an idol since man carved it. What image, what is an image that teaches lies for he who makes it trusts in his own creation. Now, I am almost positive that none of you have any little Buddhist statues at home that you pray to, right? Go ahead, raise your hand if you have a Buddha statue that you pray. to. We'd have conversation after church. Good. So, so that's good. So this doesn't apply to me then, right? I'm, I'm not carving an image. I'm not making a little gold-encrusted cherub by which I bow down to and offer prayers to and, and look to find definition for how my day is going to go and how I ought to think of myself. Like, I'm not looking to some little tchotchke thing sitting on a shelf to help me determine my value. Do you have a mirror at home? Yeah, let me offer to you maybe some modern day versions of this little idol. How many of us might be guilty of determining our self-value not from God, but from what we see in the mirror? And how carefully we can either manicure or paint ourselves or pump it up like Phil last Sunday. No, I'm joking. <laughs> that was awesome, by the way. I really love that song. Yeah, I was yeah. What about material things? H- how many times have you convinced yourself that you're really going to be happy as soon as you get the newest model of blank? What about what about food what about uh let's be honest coffee <laughs> don't talk to me until i've had my first seven cups yeah uh, you've a problem man right uh, there's a lot there's a lot more that i could list out for you entertainment sex career Power, comfort, how about comfort, or anything, I wrote this down, anything that causes me to look through the lens of blank to determine my value. Do you know what those are? Those are idols. And the text here helps us to see that if you and I look to any of those to determine how my day is going to go or who I am in my own value, that really all I'm doing is I'm trusting in myself. And there's a kingdom that will fall from this, so let's let's see if we can wrap this up in a way that helps us apply it into our lives and find some application this morning. There is actually a theme that connects together all of these woes that I want to highlight for you, and it's a theme of glory. If you notice, uh, the first woe is uh, somebody who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy. Right? Where's, where's the focus of glory on? It's on themselves. The second one, uh, woe to him who builds his realm by unjust gain and sets his nest where? What's it say? Verse 9, sets his nest, builds his house where? On high. Yes, I, I, I'm the one with the castle on the hill. Again, glory with the arrow pointing directly at themselves. You see this mentioned more explicitly in, this, in the third and the fourth one. Uh, in, the, in the third woe, verse 14 says, and here's kind of the, the key to it all, says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge and the glory of the Lord. Not you! It's not your sandcastle that this is all about. It's God! I, I imagine that, that super annoying kid that got invited to the birthday party because your parents knew that, you know, they're going to feel left out if they don't get invited as well, and it's your birthday, and yet they want all the attention about them. Come on, do you ever have one of these friends? Am I the only one? The, the, the party's not about you. The, this belongs to God. This world is His. All things have been created by Him, through Him, and for Him. And what are we but these little imposter uh, party ruiners thinking that it's it's about me. It's about us. And the text says clearly the earth will be filled with the knowledge and the glory of God. Not you. Uh, The fourth woe here, verse 16, you will be filled with shame instead of glory. They thought glory was what they were chasing after. And I wonder if maybe the Spirit could speak to your life and mine this morning and address where there are still remnants of sandcastles for your glory and not God's, because the the real scary thing about this passage this morning is that Babylon was never mentioned once. Did you notice that? For Habakkuk, it's this big complaint about injustice to God. And God says, I got a plan. I'm rising to the Babylonians. And Habakkuk is like, the Babylonians? How is that possible? And God goes through this whole long set of woes now to help lift the veil so that you will see Babylon's not the problem. It's the sinful heart that desires its own self-love and glory and esteem above God. That's the problem. And Babylon has that in spades. I mean, they are... Clearly, they have that. But do you know what's worse than people who flaunt it? It's the people who have fooled themselves into thinking they're righteous when, in fact, deep below the surface, they're not. And so this, as a concluding application, anytime time you pursue your own kingdom ahead of God's kingdom, you become Babylon. And these woes, these woes of condemnation, of really retribution, you're going to get what you sow. Do you know what they're like? They're like the tide. The tide does not care at all about the castle that is built. And God's judgment is not impressed upon the little world of your own glory. The judgment is going to come. Ready or not, it's going to come. And the next day, gone. Unless we learn to build not on the sand, but on the rock. And so I want us us to look at a New Testament story as we wrap things up here. Please turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to leave Habakkuk. We're going to go to Luke chapter 19. And we're going to look at a little man who is building his own kingdom. Who encountered Jesus. We're going to hopefully see the change by which Jesus offers those who would otherwise fall under the condemnation of God's justice. Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a Sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. All right, just think of the characteristic of this fellow. Chief tax collector, not just like newbie tax collector. This guy is the one who is skimming off the people who are skimming off of the people. Right? I mean, he, he is up there and he is wealthy. Now, there is a word that comes right after wealthy that Americans don't realize. It's called entitlement. Entitlement. And everybody else could see except Zacchaeus. And that ain't right because he's the wealthiest. And so he goes and prepares his own little kingdom in a tree. He climbs a tree that's just his own very own personal private tree. So he's got a better view than anyone. Watch what happens. Verse 5. When Jesus reaches the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. All right, there's, there's a beauty in this story and there's a lesson that I hope that we can, we can pay attention to. If you have your sermon notes, uh, there were five woes that had blanks that were listed, dishonesty, greed, violence, immorality, and idolatry. I would like you to circle the ones you are guilty of. Go ahead. I'll give you a second to circle all five. Go ahead. (laughs) Look, these these aren't out there kinds of sins. I ain't never bulldozed nobody by murdering them. You know what Jesus says? He says, anybody who says to his brother, you fool, is guilty of judgment of murder. Have you ever held a grudge against somebody? Have you ever wished ill over anybody at any time in your life? Come on, church. These are not sins that are far beyond the realm of your own depravity. And without Jesus, do you know there's a three-letter word the Bible has to say to you this morning? Whoa. Whoa to you. There is judgment coming. Zacchaeus had built his own little kingdom. He had built his own little sandcastle until he met Jesus. And I I want you to see three things that he does. Number one. He repents. Now, repentance here is not, it's not explicitly articulated by Luke, but I want you to see it real clearly because up in his own personal private sycamore fig tree, Jesus has come down immediately. And do you know what he does? He changes his program. He changes his plan. He turns 180 degrees and he comes down. Repentance means... To have a change of mind from the direction and the love and the values of the things you were pursuing. And Zacchaeus does that. And in the very best picture of all, humility is a lowering of ourselves. The picture that Jesus gives of those two individuals on the street corner, the Pharisee, who says, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like these other people. I thank you that I give a tenth of all that I have and I fast twice a week, Lord. That's who I am his own little sandcastle kingdom. And then the tax collector on the other side, the text says he wasn't even willing to lift his head to heaven, but instead beat his breast. And he confessed, Lord, I am a sinner. Have mercy on me. What does Zacchaeus do? Number one, say it with me. Number one, he repents. He He gets low. He gets low. He humbles himself. Number two, We need to welcome Jesus into our kingdom. It it was not Zacchaeus who was the initiator. Did you notice that? It's Jesus who initiates it. It's Jesus who comes and knocks on the door. Hey, I need to come to your house today. Oh, shoot, man. Could you come back next week? My house is not ready for you right now. Right? Right? But what does Zacchaeus do? With all of the mess, with all of the sin, by which, understand in the text, this was exactly the issue within the people because they see the rabbi allowing the chief tax collector to host him? Uh, A sinner? It was obvious. It was obvious. But Zacchaeus does not change a thing. Instead, he welcomes Jesus gladly. Is that what your text says? Verse 6, So he came down at once, Repentance. Secondly, he welcomes him gladly. Wherever your little castle is in your life, whatever those five areas that we would be guilty of woes, of God's judgment, bring Jesus there. Bring Jesus into your life. In any of these little dark corners of your life, welcome Jesus, and it'll change everything. And that's the third thing that we see uh, Zacchaeus lives differently and Zacchaeus lives generously. Uh, You'll see that now that he has met Jesus, now that Jesus has come in to demolish the sandcastle that would otherwise be judged, Zacchaeus judges it himself first. He doesn't need the tide to come in and wash away half of his wealth and his possessions. Zacchaeus says, I'm going to give it away. I'm not going to wait for the debtors to come and demand it because I know that that woe is coming. I've met Jesus, so I'm going to beat him to the punch. I myself am going to condemn my own sin. I'm going to live different. I'm going to change how I've been treating other people. In fact, he says, I will pay back four times the amount that he cheated. Kind of makes me wish I uh, got cheated by Zacchaeus. Isn't that amazing, you guys? Isn't this an amazing transformation of his life? At any point that you seek your own glory, your own kingdom, ahead of God's kingdom, you, be, you become Babylon. You become just like those who flaunt their own ignorance of God's judgment. And God is coming, church. God is coming soon. Amen. That. Amen.